Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cinefrauds. With me, I have Leo Brady from TheMovieGuy.com and Alex Clace, who's a stand-up comedian. What's going on? <laughs> I'm Mike Crawley from You'll Probably Agree. And today we're talking about the Academy Awards. Yay! Yay! Uh, High five. So I think we'll start <laughs> off the discussion with the Academy Awards with the movie that I guess is the elephant in the room, which is La La Land. Uh, have you guys both seen it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What do you guys think of La La Land? Um, I mean, it was definitely like... Vi- like, I've been to Disney and stuff, and I've seen, like, you know, dancing in the rain and everything, and everyone's, like, very glorifying of L.A. Yeah. I feel like if you've been to L.A., you're like, oh, wow, this is, like, a really cool way to do a twist on, like, how shitty L.A. is for, like, actors <laughs> and everything. And um, I don't know. I hate musicals. Like, but this charmed me. Mm-hmm. Um, I... A lot of it, I like how they took huge risks, and they're like, we're going so old school, they're going to be, like, floating uh, at the observatory and everything. Mm, yeah. that was That's one of my favorite things, and, like, he's just driving on the lawn, and, like, they didn't care. It was so carefree and fun, and also that ending, I don't know. Like, that was my, a great ending. I, there was a tear that rolled down my face. <laughs> yes. Because I was like, oh, my God, like, lost love. Yeah. Well, it was my number one movie of the year on a movieguy.com. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, I obviously loved it. I, I'm a huge fan of musicals in terms of when they get it right and when they do it well. Uh, you know, Even then, I don't like them. Yeah, see, I, I'm a big fan of, the, of them in terms like, you know, the classics of An American in Paris or Singing in the Rain, things like that. Yeah. And um, I felt La La Land did a great job. You know, yeah. it, it does a phenomenal job of taking us – away for you know the hour and you know 50 minutes or whatever it is or two hours and um you you get really phenomenal performances out of everybody involved and it's doing something that we really don't see enough of <laughs> these mm. days well, especially when it comes to musicals because it's very unique in its own way what do you mean by that because i i've had enough of like i'm an actor in new york city i'm an actor in la trying yeah. to make it like, yeah i struggle but then i make it yeah, yeah. i'm one of the few like that's I want to see a movie where an actor doesn't make it. Yeah, I... I, Oh, there was one. It was called uh, Entertainment, but that's not for... (laughs) That's not a movie for everyone. Right. Yeah, I mean, I... Well, I think, too, when we see musicals, you know, in the past 10 years or whatever, everyone is, you know, Into the Woods or Chicago or, you know, I'm trying to... Les Mis, you know, we get these ones that are, you know, they're classics and Hollywood thinks, oh, we can do our own version of it and we can do this own unique spin. Um, I think it took a lot of balls for Damien Chazelle to say, no, I don't want to do any of that. I want to try and do my own musical and try to do it my way and especially do it about what I think probably, you know, directors and actors and people in Hollywood can relate to in terms of their fears of what it means to put themselves out there, uh, their fears to fail, their fears to, you know, <laughs> their hopes to succeed. And sometimes mm-hmm. in, a, you know, at times where they can't succeed. Um, yeah, maybe it's conventional in that way. And maybe people have seen those stories told, but they did a pretty phenomenal job of telling it. Um, I love the Technicolor, you know, yeah. and I love yeah. the romance. It's very, yeah, it's very much <laughs> cinephile bait. Yeah. And our cinefraud bait. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, the thing I loved about, here's the thing with La La Land on Alex's note, I'm not a fan of musicals. Yeah. And I think 
uh, in the review that I wrote that I didn't publish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the thing that I think audiences don't like about musicals is that it's so fourth wall breaking. Yeah. You know, it's so conscientious. Like, if you're talking about breaking a fourth wall, it works with something like Ferris Bueller where the audience can buy it. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of used to a comedic aspect. Yeah, or even like Deadpool, the way Deadpool did it. Yeah, because that's like, in essence, his character. Right. Or if we're even talking about a movie with narration like Goodfellas. Yeah. We're following that journey, sort of like a novel. But yeah. mu- it feels like it's still grounded within its own universe. And when you see a musical... All of a sudden, everybody knows the same choreography, did the same dance. Right. And it comes off like it's winking at the camera too much. It's right. too conscientious of what it's doing. Yeah. And the thing I loved about La La Land is, in a way, it makes you question when they're singing if it's fantasy or reality yeah. in a certain way. Uh, take, for example, the opening scene when they're in the traffic jam. Everyone gets out of the car. They do this amazing dance. And they go right back in their car, and then they're back to their normal lives. And you kind of think, well, did that really just happen or not? Yeah. And especially with the ending of the movie, which I won't give away, it does play with the notion of fantasy versus reality. So the musical numbers in it felt natural. It felt like it was progressing the story rather than what most musicals, like let's say Les Miserables does, where they sing constantly and then uh, shut up yeah um and exhaust you yeah the reason i think i liked it more than most other musicals is because this was an original and it didn't have any deep ties like when someone's making a lay Miz movie like yeah. you can't get too creative because there are people who are diehard fans of certain songs <laughs> yeah and immediately la la land's like oh people are dancing in cars like reality doesn't exist here yeah you know what like just relax and have fun for this whole thing yeah, yeah. and then they we're get gonna back do and things our reality way. and they're like assholes to each other again before they're like holding hands and they're like move 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 you know so you get it right away the movie's saying hey we know this is fake yeah, you know, and that's kind of what it does. It it it, it knows is breaking the illusion, and it's sort of directly addressing it. Right. And the and it it it, felt, it moved very naturally because of that, and that's what I really enjoyed with it. I want to give away the ending, but you know, it does play with the fact that you know. Yeah, well, I was gonna say it kind of does have a double ending. I mean, it's not exactly you talked about that reality versus fantasy, yeah. and and I think for the audience members, you can sort of take from it, you know, whatever type of ending mm-hmm. you really want to take. And I also think too, its ending is pretty unconventional, yeah. right? I mean, like yeah. we'd, people yeah. would be complaining about it ten times more if it was the conventional, very Wayne's World ending. Where yeah. like, <laughs> do you, do you want this type of ending? Too. Do you want this type of yeah. ending? Yeah, I was literally thinking that they're gonna go like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that that was a great thing about it, and it's a sort of reoccurring theme with Damien Chazelle's films. Who you know, he's a Harvard grad. He has a background in jazz, which is why he constantly talks about who who did he talk about all the time in the last one in Whiplash. Yeah, he uh, Uh, he talks about like uh, you know he talks about like classical jazz drummers. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the particular musician, but they 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 mention him uh, sort of as like a uh, a big point in in uh, whiplash and anyways yeah the reoccurring theme in his films are not like reaching your dreams but the cost of reaching your dreams which is you know losing personal connection with other people and right what you have to let go 
because of that. And this is so unconventional with it. And it sort of follows that same sort of stream of logic yeah. with Whiplash. And also has the same sort of color scheme. Uh, uh, Giselle loves to use sort of harsh blues and yeah. goldish cyan oranges. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Whiplash is a little obviously more muted than, than uh, yeah. La La Land is. But, I mean, he seems to just be a master of lighting and, you know, working with a cinematographer to move the camera. I, I'm always amazed at, I think his uh, cinematographer is Josh Hurwitz. Okay. And, uh, you know, he just, there's sequences where he's moving the camera through corridors and pushing things around. I mean, you talk about that opening traffic sequence, which is amazing. Um, and he even, you know, he mixes in things like what seem like little bits of animation where there's mm. sort of silhouettes of them dancing and things like that. Yeah, he really is callbacks like Mary Poppins. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, he's really he's really good at what he does. And again, I off, I said at the end of the year, La La Land was the litmus test for happiness. I mean, I think like if you yeah. can't if you're trying to find problems with La La Land, you're really digging really hard. And <laughs> and I I can listen to a lot. I know Kareem Abdul Jabbar actually recently just wrote an article about La La Land in the Hollywood Reporter and. Um, you know, you, he makes great points. You know, he, he makes great points about what some of its problems are with, you know, with, you know, the whole talk about white guys saving jazz or things like that. Yeah, I, and, you know. But I just felt like it's kind of digging. It's digging in a way that, it, and even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says it's, a, he called it a beautiful film. He said he loved it. So, I mean, it's right. like at the end of the day, you're digging. For me, I saw, I double featured. I saw Moonlight and then I was like very like, okay, I just came out of fucking Moonlight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I'm like, will I watch am La La I, Land? Am I gay? And, no, but like the no, thing no, is, is um, I was like, will I be able to watch La La Land and still be like, oh, I care about this like white girl getting an acting job. Right. Like, not yeah. that I think that way, but just no. that like after seeing, because I thought like Moonlight was gonna be some like boys in the hood type, which is like, this is struggle movie, it. Yeah. but yeah. it was really more of like a. I'll save this for the Moonlight talk. Yeah. But, um, no, La La Land's like, hey, no, leave like shit outside. This is a carefree movie. It's, it was very like Deadpool esque. Yeah. Where it's like, don't like, just have fun. Like, don't bring yeah. like politics into this film. Right. And yeah. I, and that that's the one thing I think I liked the most about La La Land. It was just so like, dude, don't care about anything. Carefree. Else. This is a. You're yeah. here to have fun and see a movie. We're gonna make this fun and like exciting. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, I mean, that's. It was just a fun movie that gets very serious towards the end. I think it, you told me it starts like it begins like singing the rain ends like Casablanca. No yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was a great quote. Yeah. And, and I just stole it. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> But it, uh, I mean, it, it does have those uh, thematic similarities to Whiplash of the sacrifice of aiming for your dream. And it was a film that, as a guy who's so cynical about musicals, was charmed by it and loved it. Yeah. And yeah, maybe it does have its flaws. Maybe like Ryan Gosling isn't the best singer in right. the world. But, you know, it, the, it's the filmmaking of the film that is so important. And I want to get a little bit into the criticism that La La Land has been receiving which is you know a lot of people give it flack for being a light-hearted fun film and we're living in precarious political times where i think people want to see movies that are addressing sort of the issues of racism 
and bigotry and have and, better representation in general. And, yeah. Yeah. And people are like, well, we don't need to see another movie from Hollywood that gives that has Hollywood patting itself on the back. Right. And I understand that. But at the same time, in terms of the pure filmmaking of the movie and the pure quality of the film itself. Yeah. La La Land was the best that I saw. Yeah. And it's not just Hollywood padding. Like, people gave the artist a lot of crap. Right. And the artist was actually a really good film. Yeah. You know, like, you yeah. don't have to love movies to love the artists. Right. You just have to like good stories. And what were your guys' thought on, uh, I think thoughts it's, on I think it's uh, People Hate the Popular Girl and <laughs> the La La Land's nominated for so many Oscars. Mm, People yeah. are like, oh, yeah. 14, let me, yeah. Let me see how good this movie actually is. And then they saw movies with, like, stronger message, messages and, um, like, yeah. deeper problems. And then you go and see this movie because it's it's just, like, film buffs who are, like, crapping on La La Land. Like, if I took my mom to go see La La Land, she'd be like, that was amazing. And then, right. like, never think about it. But right. it's, like, film buffs who are like, oh, this is nominated for that many Oscars? Okay, yeah, I'll go see it after I've seen, like, Moonlight and all of these very serious, like, really good movies. Right. Yeah. And then you see La La Land, and I can see how you can sort of make that comparison. Because at first I was making that comparison, like I said, to Moonlight to La La Land, where I'm like, I, I'm seeing this in the wrong order. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. no, if you, if you, it's like hypnotism. If you want to be charmed by La La Land, you will be, if you're open to it, you'll be charmed by La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of digging that goes on and 14 Oscar nominations. I, I really think for even the common audience, it's impossible for La La Land to live up to everybody's expectations. Yeah, it is one of those films. I mean, <laughs> I remember just, when I asked you if I wanted a screener for it, and then you're like, you got to see it on the big screen. I just thought, okay. Yeah. I came in kind of reluctant, like, oh, God, this is going to be so cheesy. But right. I came in with an open mind, and I, I came out loving it. Right. You know? And I think, too, again, expectations really can kill movies yeah. you know in a lot yeah. of ways it's not it's really not giving you know like you said some art of a fair shake people who are cinema buffs you know film critics that were seeing la la land at you know the toronto film festival yeah. and telluride they were leaving their theater saying this is the greatest movie of the year this is phenomenal yeah. and by the time it gets to audiences in december Right, which is almost like four months after. Yeah, they say what's they're, they're what's like, the big deal? Yeah, what are you guys talking about? You don't know, yeah. you know, this is ridiculous. It's not that good. And hype can kill movies. Hype can kill movies, and um, and yet La La Land still has like lasted that test of time. I feel. I, yeah. I still feel like the music is so catchy. It sticks with you everywhere you the go. The one song they only use on it. Right, no, I keep City going of Stars. City yes. Of stars. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I don't know the other words <laughs> to this song. Yeah, I mean, it just. That, that sticks with you. Yeah. That, that's something that, you know, that it works for it in terms of marketing and things like that. Um, but it really is a well-crafted film very yeah. well done it, you know it's just something that i yeah. will be happy and i think i'll love more if i haven't seen it you know for for you know 10 years and then i watch it that yeah. next year i'll love it just as much as it'll I did before. it'll hold and up one yeah. last note is like um at first when i saw 14 oscars i'm like la la land was not 14 oscars and i started to be like oh, okay yeah. like yeah what like this isn't the best movie in the world like calm down but then when they were going through the categories and they're like, uh, like best this, uh, uh, like cinematography. I'm like, oh yeah, that was like 
fucking awesome. The filmmaking right. is fantastic. And every yeah. category they were going into, I was like, oh yeah, like La La Land does deserve all these things. Yeah, because it was good in all of these different departments. Yeah, right, they, right. It's good in those categories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, it's about the filmmaking, not the film itself. Right. And then transitioning to probably the movie like most people would want to see, like maybe film buffs would be Moonlight, which. Right. I liked Moonlight a lot. It was great. And yeah. uh, I think we were talking about this before we were rolling. Alex said that he went in thinking it was going to be like Boys in the Hood. I thought I was going to go in and I was about to cry a lot because yeah. the trailers <laughs> were all just showing like like uh, medium uh, close-up shots and stuff of a mom yelling at her kid and then him growing up and getting yelled at by his like progressively dying like crackhead mom. And I'm like, this is about to be... The saddest thing I've ever seen yeah, in my life. Right. Like, I'm about to cry alone in this theater. <laughs> and then it just, it ended up not being about, so much about, like, struggle in, like, the ghetto and everything. And it was more of, like, a fight against, like, toxic masculinity and like, right. not mm-hmm. accepting homosexuality in a culture similar to how Brokeback Mountain did it for, like, country people. Mm-hmm. This did it for, like, people in the hood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to, like... Um, talk negatively about somebody who I was sitting with at work the other day, but you know, you just brought up Brokeback Mountain and he said something to me. He was, you know, he, he made a comment and I, I didn't know this coworker. I don't know him as closely as I would like to, I guess, but he made a comment like, Oh, you know, there's some movies that I just refuse to see. And he was like, I refuse to see the notebook and I refuse to see Brokeback Mountain. And you brought up that term like toxic masculinity. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's, an example of why I loved Moonlight. I mm-hmm. think it's a type of movie that we don't see enough of. Yeah. It's I also <laughs> sorry for interrupting. No, it's okay. Um I also like how Moonlight is coming off like it's a Boys in the Hood movie. So it got a bunch of people to go see a Brokeback Mountain right. that are like, yeah, it's time to go see like Menace to Society or right, something. Right, right. Nope. <laughs> I, what is it? There were like a bunch of uh there was like just a bunch of dudes and they were very like, oh, like I don't know, just like they weren't there to see a Brokeback Mountain movie. And as they were leaving, they're like, that was the dumbest shit I've ever seen and whatever. I'm like, yeah, like I'm glad these people got tricked into this. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, they got <laughs> something out of it that they probably weren't expecting. And, you know. It enriched my Moonlight experience. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, what I liked about Moonlight was the fact that unlike a lot of movies that are about – uh people who are struggling and the struggling black man in America, you know, it's not done in the typical way where they're blasting yeah. hip hop music at you. I sound like an old curmudgeon man when I say that, but right. they're not blasting hip hop music at you. And it's not about someone who tries to make it in the music industry and everything turns out. Okay. Right. Or it's not really about gangbangers and the movies characters are really fleshed out where they're not labels, yes. you know, uh, Chiron uh, in the film is played on three different levels. This is true as a scared little boy, as his true self, as a teenager. Yeah. And then as a scared grown man trying to be hard. Right. You know, but. Yeah, I mean, he, he struggles with that sort of aspect. And the movie was sort of done like a Terrence Malick film. Yeah. Where uh, with maybe a little more structure mm-hmm. where it was very much like you were going through the memories or the dreams of someone. And it had this sort of after otherworldly sort of feel to it. You right. know, it feels like you're going through a dream when you're watching it. And it's not it's a movie that transcends beyond just the issue of race, but about individuality and about masculinity 
And when we see that character struggling to be a man himself, it reminds me of myself and many other people are like, oh, you know, that's, you know, you can't do that. You know, you're not tough that way. And it, it addresses that. Right. I mean, so much about identity. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, uh, Mahershala Ali's character asks, like, you know, who are you? You know, or yeah. you know, he says, like, who are you, Chiron? It's like that there's so much of that complex sort of like inner turmoil going on for yeah. these, you know, for this character that, is that anybody can relate to anybody can relate to just like the struggles of what it means to grow up, what it means to grow up being different, what it means to grow up in a bad neighborhood, things mm-hmm. like that. There is so much complexities going on. Um, and I, I kind of actually love the fact that even the Chiron character has very little dialogue in a lot of ways, in yeah. a lot of these segments. Yeah. And the movie focuses on just his face Mm-hmm. and his inner struggles of the things that he can't say and the things that he can't do in his neighborhood, the things that he can't do in his high school because mm-hmm. he'll be you know, ostracized and persecuted by his fellow classmates because of it. I mean, that, it speaks so many volumes. Yeah. It, it really is the movie that probably should win Best Picture in many aspects because we don't get enough of this these stories. Deep sort of, yeah. Yeah, the, and it's so well told, and Barry Jenkins is a phenomenal director. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's if I only had one argument, or not argument, but one problem that I had with the movie was just its pacing. I felt like there were times where it just feels like it moves a little bit slow, but other than that, it's a pretty flawless I, film. I thought, like, this slow tempo was more of just like a... Like that whole diner scene onwards, like I was silent. I knew it. Like I had a, I was hungry. Yeah. I wanted some popcorn that I bought. <laughs> yeah. But I knew if I like took a bite in the middle of like this silent car scene, people are gonna hear it, and I was gonna get self conscious. Right. <laughs> but like, right. My heart like stopped for that whole ending because I'm like, oh my god, this is like, sort of really awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. like just sort of uh, what's his name? Black. Uh, his name's Chiron, but there's three acts in the film. Yeah, but and when associate. he is black, the... Oh, yeah, in the right. third act, because it starts dealer. with Little, yep. then Chiron, and then, which is his true self, correct. and then Black, which is him trying to be a tough guy. Okay. And the brilliant yep. thing with it is it does that sort of Tarantino thing where there's a title for right. each act, and it's literally, quite literally, like a play, a three-act structure. Yeah. You know, and it... Each name is associated with his personality, and we get it like, like that, yeah, you know. Yeah, we get we get it right away when when they when they say little oh little kid Chiron right, but now he's black. He's like I'm hard. You don't fuck with me, sort of thing. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know the name of the actor who played him as an adult, but he did a wonderful thing where oh. he didn't just come off as a tough asshole. Yeah, he came off as tough but very vulnerable and yeah. scared. Yep, and that's what I liked about it so much. He, nobody feels just like one thing i thought marshala ali marshala ali yep, yep. yeah yeah uh, i know his name isn't super american or white so i get it yeah. Uh, yeah uh but it's like you connect with him so much because he's a drug dealer but he's a mentor and he's a father and he's right. someone to look up to and he's right. someone like you hang on his every word i hope he wins best supporting actor. yeah it's looking that way too yeah yeah uh can I, can I give one gripe about moonlight oh yes. yeah um well two one the spinning shots like it's an 
Uh, the Terrence Malick shot, sort of, yeah. Yeah, that, the spinning shot, I was like, what is this, an action movie? And he's like, <laughs> on the phone, like, where's my daughter? It's just, like, in the beginning, because... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember Blue that. Blue walks up to that one drug dealer. Correct. And they're just sort of standing there, like, hey, what's going on? But it's, like, vroom, like spinning around uh, yeah, right yeah, yeah. into The Force Awakens. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Another thing is, is um, one... The most important scene in the movie, the hand job scene. I assume there's a better title for it, but um, right. This is the moonlight scene in Moonlight. Is yeah. that what it? Oh, I yeah, I mean it is. It's it's on the beach is, yeah. by the moonlight, and yeah. he discovers his sexuality. Yeah. Very powerful scene. Yeah. I don't know why they had like a five, six second shot of him just like wiping cum in the sand. I don't even remember that, but dude, I remember mm. that. It was like very like what. Like, this movie's so serious, and then they have, like, a goofy, like, oh, I got cum on my Yeah, it's, like, a, it's like a sand. very sort of uh, uh, unnecessarily graphic. Yeah. You know, but Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe. Because it wasn't the realism that, like, adds to the scene. It was, like, goofy. Yeah, it's right. like, cum. But uh, my one gripe with the film was actually its third <laughs> act, because I liked how the first two acts came off, like, this sort of dream of someone's memories. You right. Know, you're, we're getting the Malik territory and all that. And then the third act was just dialogue. And you're like, now they're just talking. Do they just run out of time and run out of budget? And they're just going to quickly shoot in this diner, in this bedroom, and then in the motel, and then it ends? Like, okay. Like, it just felt a little lazy towards the end where I liked where, as you said, there was focusing so much on Chiron's face throughout the film. Yeah. And just the reactions alone is what makes the movie work so well. And then when they abandon that, and then all of a sudden it's just so reliant on dialogue, it felt like they were either short on time or short on money, and they rushed it through. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't know what to do with the screenplay, so they said what they were feeling rather than us just seeing what they were feeling. Yeah, it's kind of, again, I think in its complexities, it's kind of maybe that was their way of trying to, you know, wrap it all together. Yeah, and, you know, closure, yeah. yeah. See, I actually thought the third act was, like, the best part yeah. because yeah. they had set up everything. You know who these people are. You know what they're thinking. So they don't really need to, like, be, like, saying it in the third act. Right. When they're just sitting there and um, he's like, why'd you come out here? And he's like, oh, you know, I was just in town and whatever. He's like, you just drove on the highway to get here and stuff. Like, you know what's going on in both their heads. And when he's like, here's yeah. my kid, I knocked this girl up. And when he asks, like, are you still with her and everything? It's just very like, no one's saying anything, but you know what's going on. It's like when two coworkers mm. got into a fight the day before, right? And you're sitting there, and then one coworker comes in, the other one's already there, and everyone's like, "We know, like <laughs> everyone's aware of what's happening." Yeah. Oh, I've been in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was so well done because they had set these characters up so well. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Moonlight. I mean, again, in terms of its pure filmmaking and its structure. It's not as strong as La La Land, but they're not really comparable films. They're not. And that's why I'm not a big fan of award shows, because a lot of movies get overlooked. Yeah. You know, something like Silence got overlooked. Don't Think Twice got overlooked, because yeah. it was a movie that, you know, was about improv comedy from comedians. But anyone right. who's been in that world, that was, like, one of the most true films to, improv, For sure. to comedy well, that I've seen. For sure. Actually, like, I thought it was... 
I thought that was like a great movie. I saw that before yeah. I came out here to take classes at Second City. So I'm yeah. like, oh my God, like, am <laughs> yeah. I about to be depressed for the rest of my life? <laughs> am I, I going to be passed over by people I'm funnier than? Yeah. It's, like, it just, that was like a very scary movie for me when I yeah. saw it. Yeah. But, um, it's, very, it's a comedy, but it's really, really real. Yeah, yeah it's very accurate. Yeah. I mean, the, the politics of like being in an impo- improv troupe, it's just like. Yeah, it's like, I thought that movie said so much more than about comedy and about success than a lot of other movies did and i thought it was something better than the generic hell or high water but yeah we'll get in that in a second but yeah uh but yeah moonlight i'd say great movie maybe la la land if if you had to put a gun in my head and you know have me compare the two and choose it i'd, I'd choose la la land yeah uh so next film i was thinking about then that's unconventional that i thought was going to be oh total- can i do one quick uh, yeah did you guys see Swiss Army Man? I did. Yeah. I thought that was also sort of like an identity type movie for, but it didn't get as much like praise as Moonlight did. No, it didn't. I mean, mm, I, I, I think yeah. it. Yeah. And it even delves into the theme a, like close to as much as Moonlight, but in a more subtle way. Yeah, because like it, it's all wrapped around sort of the ending, which is about. Uh, I think Swiss Army Man's like if you took La La Land and uh, Moonlight and you p- made one movie. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's what Swiss Army Man was. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, well, I think there's like sort of a thing going on about like mental illness, even in a little yeah. bit of way, co- going on with Swiss Army Man that's like very interesting. It's certainly one of the more weirder movies I have ever seen. I was like, what am I watching when I was it watching wasn't Swiss as Army Man? I thought it would be. I thought it was because it was kind of like a comedy. What the hell were you expecting? Right. Yeah. Like, right. I, I knew, like, I right. knew, okay, so farting I corpse meant, like, and his Harry when Potter. when you say it was <laughs> less weird than you thought it would be, it, w- it like, I, I went in thinking, like, oh, here comes a unique movie. And yeah. And it was like, oh, here's, like, the craziest movie I've ever seen yeah. in my life. It yeah. just felt kind of formulaic in a way with this inspirational sort of music playing and how this yeah. character found hope uh, amongst uh a very dire situation. I did like the ed- the ending. I don't know why. It kind of reminded me of the village a little bit and yeah in a good that's way that's actually a good uh oh, comparison I didn't even think of that. yeah yeah that's a good comparison it actually just popped in my mind i'm <laughs> smart um but uh you, no but it is like that you're like oh they're this guy's stuck in this island no not really he's he's just like in a backyard you know <laughs> right and you know same thing with the village except unlike the village uh, with Swiss Army Man, it worked with that ending, and it right. made things make sense. Where in the village, it was just that night Shyamalan going, "Hey, got a twist for you!" Right, and it was just like I remember the the audience was laughing when I saw the village, and you saw that minivan pull up. Right, you know, and here with Swiss Army Man, when he's in the backyard, and I mean, you kind of get that he's actually not in the woods at a certain point in the film. Yeah, but. Well, he's in the woods, but he's not in an island. But right. you know, but uh, why are and, we and using a corpse as a, <laughs> using a corpse as a oh, yeah. <laughs> I just brought it up. No, it's a good. Yeah. It's but, like it has the elements of La La Land, where it's like, yeah, we're gonna open the movie with three minutes of farts to show you, like, don't take this movie too seriously. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. But it's also gonna have like a really deep, like it's serious ending. Throughout yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it was going over the whole thing where his dad was calling him what was it like retarded or something like that yeah yeah, yeah he, there's something like basically where he, you know he feels like he's been sort of driven out by his family yeah. and um yeah like i said there's that sort of mental disability aspect or yeah. something going on, on there but 
Um, the movie did feel like it was an autopilot for a lot of scenes, though, where it's just going from montage to montage, repeating the same sort of thematic element. Of yeah. Going, All right. Well, like, and how he's happen? using the body in, yeah. in multiple different ways. Yeah. And, um, like you talked about sort of uproarious music that goes along yeah. with bah, 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 yeah. Bah, 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 yeah we're hipsters <laughs> well if you Swiss Army Man was the only movie I downloaded the soundtrack to oh. and I so it'll That's come up on shuffle every once in a while Dude, it's a great soundtrack. I have yeah, to go good. back it's and good. listen to that. It's really, and good. it is kind of a movie. I feel like I, I like. I it's a movie like I remember watching on my laptop, yeah. and I think it's the kind of movie that I like really need to go back and watch again with somebody else, and and get you know sort of absorb it more. Yeah, yeah. seeing it in a theater with people who like I saw it in like an art house sort of thing. Yeah. So like people got it, and like I got it, and I was like, yeah, this is like. It's in like my top three of the year. Really, yeah. I love Swiss Army. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting. You know, yeah. it's, it's a polarizing film. I just felt kind of you know okay about it. I wasn't like either. I love it. Or yeah, hate I'm surprised it, it didn't get any nominations for like its makeup work and things like mm, that. I mean, yeah. the, you know, like the what they did with Daniel Radcliffe was oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, like, just like the soundtrack. Yeah, like, them like doing the acapella uh, Jurassic park thing and right if there's one thing i hate more than musicals it's acapella groups <laughs> pitch perfect not yeah. a fan obviously no yeah. i like pitch perfect but i don't like the culture it created right right but when we're talking about unconventional films and oscar nominees one movie that really shocked me that was unconventional that i wish i saw earlier but i didn't because i saw the poster and i'm like oh this is going to be about someone overcoming extreme adversity and she's gonna be a strong woman and this and that was Jackie. Yeah. And it was not that at all. Yeah. It's it's a movie about a crushed woman. Yeah, and I don't know how many Oscar nominations it has. I think it only has like three or four. Yeah, yeah. it's not in for Best Picture, but I thought that movie was a meditation in grief mm-hmm. and loss. Yeah. And it, it was one of the better films I've seen in a while about what it's like to deal with someone who just died or deal with a horrible situation in your life and how you really embrace it. And it saw Jackie Kennedy, not as it doesn't do the hidden. I haven't seen hidden figures, but I'm going to guess it doesn't do the hidden figures thing. No, it does not. She's wonderful. You know, it's really about here's a woman who's extremely flawed, very self-conscientious of her own figure of her own appearance, but still a very strong person. Yeah. Very complicated. And it took a real-life figure and really challenged the audience where we didn't see her as this this glowing, wonderful figure, but this deeply flawed individual right. who can't overcome her own grief, and especially through the cinematography of the film with those yeah. long, stagnant shots. And who's the name? She did... Uh, she composed. Michael Levy. Michael Levy is the composer. Yes, of it. Yeah. she did uh, the score to Under the Skin. Yeah, and this one, and it's very nightmarish, and that's what I loved about Jackie. It's it's a film that everyone's. Like, I saw it with my dad, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I didn't get the film. It was just too much of the same thing." And I'm like, "Oh, you're not getting the point, you know?" Right. It's about being stuck somewhere in life that you can't get out of. Yeah. And it was so different because of that. Well. I agree with your dad because it was one of the first movies I ever walked out of. Whoa. Whoa. Here we go. Breaking Um, news. (laughs) I, you know what? I think Jackie is not the worst movie, but I did walk out of it because I saw, again, I saw like Manchester by the Sea like earlier that week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's my movie of the year. Okay. It was was good. And the way they dealt with like loss and stuff and like, just all the themes in Manchester were so good. And then I'm like, 
I can't like go see Moana tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> I gotta go see something yeah. that's gonna be like similar in like a hard hitting yeah. sort of good movie. Yeah. And I was watching Jackie and I don't think Natalie Portman did a good job. Really? Ooh. I do not like her as Jackie at all. <laughs> was she and too so, much like playing it as a caricature? Like, this is my Jackie Kennedy voice. Uh, yeah. Very. It, like okay. I was like, oh, here's Natalie Portman doing like a bad Jackie Kennedy impression. Like I <laughs> Okay, I, fair enough. Fair enough. Um <laughs> and then just I understand that um where they wanted to like use the film and everything just like where and when it, it was a unique sort of point of view like it's yeah. i don't think anyone's ever done a movie about ja- jackie where it's just showing her grieving and stuff after all this right yeah um i got like a good hour into it before i walked out and i wasn't even planning on it but i just was sitting through it and the score's good everything's good this movie's a good movie okay mm-hmm. yeah but i d- could not sit through more of that movie it was so bland and boring and then they were doing very like uh big long drawn out like sort of pulling out shots and stuff to right. like a really good score but i'm like i don't understand why they're doing these shots what are mm. they emphasizing this feels like it's oscar bait <laughs> i did not have a good time and then i went into the bathroom and i'm like how long is jackie and i checked and it's like two and i'm like i'm not going back into this movie <laughs> okay and i walked out of jackie yeah i mean i'm i'm on actually on the exact polar opposite side of you um mm. i loved i love natalie portman's performance see I'm, i can see where people come from when yes they say it's a good well movie. i can actually see where people come from where like what you're talking about too i know people you know a lot of film critics tweeted about yeah, you know things like oh, you know it's just uh, Natalie Portman pretending to be Jackie drunk for like you know two hours, <laughs> and and I get that I get all of those things. Um, yeah. I'm actually very surprised in a lot of ways uh, that Natalie Portman's not won any awards, but I think that sort of those comments about she has her, her Oscar already. Yeah, she does, and, <laughs> and she hasn't been winning. It's been uh, Isabelle Huppert, and it's been. Um, uh, Emma Stone, um, but I think of all the movies in terms of just straight up performance, Isabelle Huppert is pretty close. But yeah. I felt like Portman is this movie. It won't work without anything that she's doing. And I also think at the same time, too, sort of uh, what you were talking about with how it's done. I think the director Pablo Lorraine does a pretty phenomenal job of trying to take a biopic and make it like a Terrence Malick film. And I mm. know that that's sort of a ongoing trend of directors to yeah, do they're all their, doing their Malick. they're all they doing released a trailer to Malick's newest. Yeah. Today. But I think what he did was pretty phenomenal. I think it puts you sort of in the room with her, puts you in her grief, yeah. and that's sort of a pretty phenomenal thing to, to do in this day and age, yeah. especially for biopics. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, we got to move on quick. We got to wrap in 15 minutes. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, so the next film, um, let's see. So, yeah, but I don't know. I, I mean, with Jackie, I'll just end on this note, which is like, I, I kind of liked the long lingering shots as you yeah. feel like you're lost and everything had that desaturated color tone. Right. You know, like death. And uh, especially, uh, I liked how the camera was always right up on Portman's face. Yeah. You know, like you, she, she was, she didn't feel like she was just playing a character, but she felt like a very saddened person yeah and that's what really made it so powerful to me yeah uh other movies that were on the list oh there was fences 
Yeah. Uh, what'd you guys think of Fences? Didn't see it. Didn't see it. No. I'm a fan of it. Um, okay. I think uh, you know. The, the, I think the acting is what really rises to the top of that movie. Um, it's it's very stagey, and yeah. I think those are sort of those complaints. I think it's the type of movie to never see in the theater. I saw it in yeah. the theater, and it's serious. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the longest sit. I it's mean, it's so it, fucking long. It's a long sit, and it, and it's the type of movie that you definitely watch on your couch at home. Um, and you take in really great performances from Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. It's it's impressive in its acting. It's very well written, and uh, you know it does a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a movie that you should just see at home, and also. It's a movie where it's based off of August Wilson's original play that debuted in 1983. And there's so many scenes in there that would have worked better in a play than on screen. Yeah. Specifically the scene where uh, Denzel finds out that his his mistress, I guess she died in childbirth or something like that. Yep. Yep. And he and it was so much more powerful when you saw the reaction on his face. But then he did this whole monologue where he's putting his face out the window and he's going, I ain't afraid of you, death! And, da, 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 da. and it's like, that works great for for the stage because when you're watching a movie, the the camera is your main actor. Yeah. Where it's pointing, it's telling you what to feel and it's communicating so much more on a visual level than a play can because you're right in on the actor's face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can whisper, you can get in and all that. Yeah. And with, with the play, you can't get that sort of connection. And with the play, you're standing literally in front of the actor or sitting in front of the actor. Right. And there's so many scenes that they could have just cut because every scene was just the same scene on repeat, which is, do I put food in your belly? Do I put a roof over your head? If it weren't for me, you wouldn't have a pot to piss in. <laughs> and they play that scene from the trailer like three fucking times in the movie. <laughs> and then they play that scene with his other son asking for money, and then he's going to give it back. And they play that three fucking times in the movie. And it just keeps going on repeat. The most powerful scene in the film, and the best character was his brother who came back from the war. Right. And he was uh, mentally damaged, very much shell-shocked, where yeah. he was partially mentally handicapped because of what he witnessed. Right. And then, you know, when he was just feeding him in the hospital, and they just had that look with each other, right. that was so much more powerful than any of the monologues ever shoved together. The cinematography felt lazy with its symbolism, like, oh, a flower petal falls on the ground. We're going to tilt down to it. Oh, we missed our tilt. Well, well. Yeah. Oh, let's show the sky departing when they play the horn. And you're like, ah, you know, this is better on stage than it's on screen. The themes definitely play a lot. Uh, certainly played to today as they did back then. And it was a movie or a play that, took place from the 1950s to the 60s yeah. and certainly it's uh, themes resonate today yeah but um they don't uh resonate i i mean but they, they don't but the scenes just feel very repetitive throughout the film and that was kind of its weakness to me yeah like you said it's just like if you sit through it in a theater and watch it i actually saw a double feature which was fences and then i saw la la land wow so it got me energized after that i was gonna say la la land is like a as a cold shower after that yeah 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 the um yeah i mean it's very much a performance film you're right i mean i think like i think those scenes can get a little bit repetitive um yeah. From time to time, I, you know, it's one of those kind of movies where you can't not give a lot of love to Viola Davis and Denzel because just there's so much material. Yeah. There's so much weight they have to carry in this movie. Yeah. And uh, I think that's sort of what what shows best and what works best there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so then I guess we'll. So then there's fences. There's moonlight. Jackie. Uh, who saw Hell or High Water? I did. Yeah. I'm so upset I didn't see it because the way people are describing that movie, it's they're like it's just pure story, pure action. Like it doesn't try to be anything an Oscar winner. It just right. wanted to be a good film. And I'm like, that sounds like something that's so cool. Well, the thing is, like, Fences, Fences is more about the performances than it was about the story. And there are other teleplays that work great, like Doubt works great yeah. uh, on screen. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross works great because of that sort of very fast-paced dialogue throughout the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Fences just felt like something that was on repeat that works better on stage. But Hell or High Water, I, I kind of instantly forgot about the film after I saw it. You know, it just felt like a generic bank heist film. Yeah. I mean, it had a slightly different ending, but there wasn't much to it other than that. It was just kind of, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, eh. I think I think there's a little bit more deeper character work in, the, in, in yeah. it. You know, I, I realized that there's a, a great parallel drawn between Jeff Bridges and his partner and the two brothers who are robbing banks. Yeah. Um, I think that's sort of the, the parts that work the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's really just straightforward, kind of like high action at times, but also well-paced drama. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a cool take on a modern-day Western. It's got this, like, golden sheen to, like, you know, guys uh, being hunted in the desert in yeah. a way. And um, it's actually one of my more favorite movies of the Best Picture nominations because I just think there's, like, I think it's like one of the most solid movies that it's in that collective group. Right. You, you know, like right. Hidden Figures is kind of Oscar bait and Fences has has the good performance. La La Land and Moonlight are sort of the unconventional front runners. Yeah. And like people are forgetting about Hell or High Water in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think it does a lot of good things. And it reminds me of like just classic cinema. Like it, it's. Yeah, it's, it's a classic Western. Yeah, it has yeah. TCM written all over it. Yeah, like, yeah it does. Like, because yeah. the main reason I'm drawn to it is just because it seems like no country for old men. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's yeah, but Which it's, I didn't like. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of No Country for Old Men, but it's not yeah. it's cinematography in Hell or High Water is not as slick. Obviously, it's not Roger Deakins' work, right? It doesn't have okay. like great lighting and all of that stuff. It, I mean, it has some moments of good lighting, but it's really just like this is what it is. It puts its head down and it goes forward. It, it's kind of yeah. like a speeding I, car. <laughs> I just didn't really care much about the characters. You know, I just felt like. Okay, there are two guys who like one guy is doesn't want to be a criminal, but yeah. he needs to pay off his his debts, which is why he's robbing banks. Which I thought that was a cool little twist. Yeah. Quickly, uh, Lion. Did anybody see it? How forgettable is it? <laughs> Lion yeah, and I Hidden Figures. I didn't see Lion. Either. Lion, you know, it's uh, got a great first half. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's really heart wrenching in the first half about this kid who gets lost from his parents and who becomes an orphan. Um, Cinematography is really strong early on. Uh, it really falls apart in the second half. Second half is seriously just Dev Patel looking at a laptop, and and, <laughs> and there's really and Rooney Mara's character is just you know like stand-in girlfriend who's yeah. like, oh, I'm here to help you. I'm here to make you feel better. And um, and for me, it's the weakest. For me, Lion yeah. is by far the weakest Best Picture nomination. Okay. And then Hidden Figures is. It's really well done. It, it made sense that it won the SAG Award for Best Ensemble because yeah. it does have a great cast. I'm a, I have a huge man crush on Janelle Monae. Okay. <laughs> uh, or man crush, uh, f female crush. I mean, she's awesome. It also made me like 
respect Jim Parsons. Yeah, actually, me too, because I actually tend to hate him in a lot yeah. of his work. Like, I just oh, think yeah. he's really annoying. He seems like such a dick. Yeah, he's okay in it. He's actually okay in it. Okay. Um, uh, Kevin Mainly Costner. He's being, like, sort of a dick. Right. And even though and even though Kevin Costner is like, I'm the, the stern leader of NASA, you know, like that's basically his role. I'm actually happy to see Kevin Costner in a movie that does so successful because I think Kevin Costner's a director and an actor that we like desperately need back working in Hollywood in, in certain ways because he's just like he's made great films yeah. and yeah. So and I, I think Hidden Figures it's a crowd pleaser. I call yeah. it the number one crowd that's pleaser. That's why I wasn't of the year. too thrilled about seeing it. Yeah. But uh, having okay, having said that, I think we're just gonna wrap this up. There was uh, Arrival, and what else is nominated? Was that yeah, it? Arrival's good, and then um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing one. I think that's it. I think okay. Arrival's last. Arrival's. One. I I was expecting it to be like a ten out of ten, and then I saw it, and it was like a nine out of ten. So like, it was too reliant on news beats. You know, throughout the story. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of CNN. Yeah, footage. yeah, but I mean, it was definitely Dennis. Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Like Denis Villeneuve. Because it like built yeah. a world, and like I'm, I'm no longer impressed with the like zombie like showing the different yeah. like news stations like the world's ending. Oh, like pictures of riots and whatever. <laughs> right. But I thought Arrival did okay. Yeah. yeah. It 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 has you thinking so much that you almost kind of like don't get to really uh, catch it all on a first viewing. I think it's worthy of second viewings, yeah. second and third I viewings. I mean, Rival was definitely uh, a nail. It was kind of like a smarter version of Contact in a way. Yeah, or, yeah. But then again, so was Interstellar. And I was going in expecting kind of like a generic uh, uh, sci-fi film, but really it was a movie about language and about how other species, just like humans, don't get along with each other. Right. And how everyone's sort of at war with one another and – and it definitely played with time travel in a sort of different way. And yeah. it was great because of that. I wish I could go more into detail about it, but we actually have to wrap up. Okay. So uh, I'd like to thank Leo Brady for showing up and Alex Clace. Yep. Awesome. And, Thanks. Uh, this has been the Cinephiles. Uh, maybe we'll get some more to talk about in overtime. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Yep.